Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering presented by SAP, one of our newest Game Changers series. And we're so happy to be here. I am Bonnie D. Graham. And let's see what the buzz is. By the way, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. We've known that for years. So I have three buzz quotes for you today to give you a little teaser about our topic and then I'll get really serious. Here's a quote from fastcompany.com. Listen up. It's just like driving a car faster. At some point, there becomes a speed where you can't go through the twists and turns responsibly anymore. What in the world is she talking about? I'm about to tell you. Buzz number two from imd.org. Staying innovative, that's our key word today. Staying innovative is vital to remaining alive and successful. But innovation is not only about having good ideas. It's also about cultivating the best conditions in which your top teams can perform. So we've got innovation and speed on the table. Buzz number three, this is from Advantex. Innovation for innovation's sake isn't always a good thing. Ah, there's the provocative idea. So let's look at the business landscape right now to get ahead of the competition. Enterprises in the past few years moved quickly to cloud-based solutions. Why? They wanted to open the door to exciting opportunities for innovation. There's that word, but. Aha, there's always a a caveat. In their eagerness to discover as many shiny new pennies as quickly as possible. Look what we've got. Look what we innovated. Many businesses got caught up in the resulting complexity. And what happened? Compromised their infrastructure, ended up with some failures in their end-to-end processes. That's not good. And even perhaps worse, they might have opened some new security risk exposures. None of that's good. We have a panel of three experts today. We're going to be speaking with Tom Roberts at SAP. Tom and I go way back to Sapphire a couple of years ago, and we're seeing each other on Zoom for the first time. Welcome, Tom. We have Kamal Aluwalia at Eightfold.ai. We're going to learn all about his company and how he named it. I'm always interested in company names, Kamal. And we have Manny Peruse at SAP. We're going to ask them for their insights on, and listen to this topic, innovating with abandon, the perils of too much too fast and too soon. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let's go around the table and have my panelists introduce themselves. They're going to keep it tight, even though their bios are about 12 pages long because they've done so much in their careers. <laughs> so the challenge to you, Tom Roberts, is to condense your life and tell us a little bit about your passion for the topic. Tom Roberts, welcome. I'm putting you on speaker view. And in case there's two people in the world who don't know you, now's the time to tell them who you are. Tom. Bonnie, it's so great to be back with you and so good to see you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, you know, this whole new world, right, with everybody having to do everything on Zoom. This is the first time you and I have been on Zoom together. So tell so us just, about your bio. Go ahead. So just, so just a little bit for everybody in terms of who I am. Uh, you know, I've, I've been with SAP for uh, over 15 years now. Uh, I've been in the industry for a long time. And, and, you know, my specialty, my background is building long-lasting, high-productive relationships. So it's not enough to just go out and find a good partner, have a good idea. In my world, it's all about making sure we get to that great result. So at SAP, I'm responsible for partner success. So when we create a relationship, we want to make sure that it's doing what it's going to do for our customers and building these types of relationships that you build a high level of trust. That's my background, right? So I've done that for, you know, multiple decades. Um, at SAP, it's resulted in more than $10 billion in terms of revenue to the company. So it's a highly successful approach, and we're evangelists for that. And that's, that's you know, essentially what I'm passionate about, Bonnie. Thank you very much, Tom. Pleasure to have you on. We're going to go around the table to a gentleman I just met a couple of days ago on our prep call. Kamal, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your company and how did it get its name. Kamal, welcome. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Uh, so, Kamal Aluwalia, the president at Eightfold. We are an AI platform for all of talent. So, hiring, retention, internal mobility, all that stuff. Um, I think uh, more importantly, let me tell you how we got here. Mm-hmm. So, considering our purpose of providing the right career for everyone in the world, 
we were inspired and named our company after the Buddhist philosophy of eightfold path to Nirvana. And in particular, it talked about a couple of things. One, every individual has the right to pursue a living the way they want to. So whatever career options they want. And the second more important thing is that all of us should be comfortable unlearning and learning, meaning we should grow and evolve as life goes on. And I think today we should, that in our opinion, learnability is the single strongest virtue any of us can have so that we are working towards something. And I think as people look, and every country is now talking about reskilling, upskilling, and digital skills, all of that. I think it all comes down to how willing are we to continue to be students all our lives and actually take it with open hands. Kamal, learning and unlearning. I, I hate to say this, this is a beautiful concept. Aren't we always? Isn't that our purpose? But let me ask you a quick question, Kamal, if I may. The idea of innovating, and our topic today is innovating too much, too fast, too soon. Is it possible that businesses need to unlearn what they've always been doing so they can new learn, relearn, and come up with innovations that are good for the company rather than we've always been doing it this way and damn it, we're going to do it? Just a quick answer from you, Kamal, because I want to introduce Manny. What do you think? Do businesses need to unlearn too? 100%. And COVID is going to teach us how to unlearn and learn again. (laughs) There you go. Thank you very much. Manny Peru. So I think we met in a previous life somewhere, Manny. I know we did. Nobody say a word. Manny, in case there were 2.3 people in our audience who don't remember who you are, now's your opportunity to tell them who you are and what's your passion for this topic, innovating. Go ahead, Manny. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm really pleased to be here. So a little bit of background about myself, as you might want to note from my background. I'm also with SAP. Um, I'm actually a boomeranger. I also work for other companies. I was in a partner's shoes. I ran a partner company as well. Um, I'm very passionate about our partners, but what I do at SAP is actually the partner innovation side. So I'm equally passionate about driving innovation. And I do believe in failing forward and really making a difference by innovating rapidly and quickly. So um, I'm really looking forward to the, to the debate. And uh, I'm also a strong believer in learning and unlearning. Um, just as a little uh, uh, comment here from my side, have you ever tried to unlearn how to ride a bicycle, right? This is very hard because some things that you learn, you never unlearn. And uh, there has been attempts by different people to unlearn how to ride a bicycle by having the steering wheel going the other way around. Like when you go right, the bicycle goes left. That gets you actually to unlearn how to ride a bicycle. But it's actually one of those things that you never can really get rid of learning, right? It's, it's the bicycle. It's a great example right. where, where people are working very hard to get to unlearn how to ride a bicycle. If you want to try to unlearn a bicycle, get one with a steering wheel that goes the other way around. <laughs> I have to say, we're about eight minutes into the show. I'm so impressed with the words of wisdom and the, the life lessons I've learned from all three of my guests today. I think we need to change the topic from innovating with abandon to how do we learn and function and grow as people and companies and make it a big, broader topic. But I'll have to talk to Dennis McHugh and David McAtamney, I think I said it right, about getting this panel back for a topic like that. Very, very interesting, the concept of partnering for learning, for growing, for unlearning. Dennis and David are listening, I know, and they're probably saying, what? (laughs) Yeah, we got to do that. So thank you very much. This is the part of the show. We're getting to it where I've asked my panelists to send me a quote from a movie or a song because we know our audience loves to hear these, I'll call them cultural references. Do you know that movie? Do you know that song? Well, we've got some real good ones for you today. So Tom Roberts has sent me a quote from Laurel and Hardy. Let me just quickly tell you, they were a comedy duo in films for many years. Their movie heyday was 1929. I don't know anybody who's still alive from then. Maybe I just don't know the right people. 1929 to 1951, Oliver Norville Hardy was an American comic actor, one half of Laurel and Hardy, the double act that began in the era of silent films and actually lasted till 55. And we have Stan Laurel born Arthur Stanley Jefferson, oh my goodness, was an English comic actor, writer, and film director, part of Laurel and Hardy. Now, the quote I'm about to read that Tom has selected appeared in 17 movies. It's a catchphrase. It's a buzz phrase. It's something that is iconic to Laurel and Hardy. It was in movies including Double Whoopie in 1929, Pardon Us in 1931, Thicker Than Water in 35, 
uh, Jitterbugs in 1943 and Atoll K, a.k.a. Utopia in 51, just four of the 17. Here's the quote. Listen up. Well, here's another nice mess you've gotten me into. Tom Roberts, talk to me. What does this quote have to do with our topic on innovation? Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I love it, Barney. Uh, you know, the, the, the idea of Laurel and Hardy, now think about it, they were game changers. Um, they're the ones who really put slapstick into movies. And before that, it wasn't really, it wasn't a thing, right? And then they rode that. And here we are, uh, you know, talking about a, a duo that did a hundred films. And in some ways they were masters of branding, right? People would go to the film and they would wait for that moment where, where, they, where they would say that classic line, hey, uh, this is another fine mess you've got me into, right? And it was always delivered by Ollie, right? He was the, uh, the heavier set American guy and it was always to, to, to Stan who never was really trying to create chaos, but was always the, the initiator of it. And, and that brings us to, right into today's topic, which is innovation is super attractive, right? So everybody runs to it, but you have to be careful. As you said in your quotes, too much, too fast, and you're going to run into a problem. And, you know, we, we've seen that, right? We're seeing that inside the enterprise today. And some, just some interesting statistics for you to chew on. First, that currently today, a typical large enterprise already has 200 subscriptions to SaaS applications. Now, imagine you're the CIO and that's the chaos that's going on inside your organization. Now, add this to it. The turnover, the churn meaning how often they're swapping those out is higher than employee turnover, right? And Kamal can probably talk about that topic <laughs> for days, right? But the, the application turnover is even higher than the employee turnover, turning over at a raging 39%. Now, inside of that, and you mentioned it in the buildup here and, and, in, and in the show notes, these enterprises are trying to manage over 20,000 different integration points. So this is another fine mess you've got me into, right? This is why I bring this quote to it. And I think, look, we're looking for how do you, how do you deal with that with both a good spirit, but also recognizing that it's a fine mess. Thank you very much, Tom. What's interesting is in the notes in my research about the movies, many of these were in, they said, the final scene, the final shot. Well, that's a fine mess. So that was the the commentary at the end is look what we've been through, whether they're buried in a coal mine or they've got their legs wrapped around their necks or anyway, very interesting quote. Thank you. I think this is the first time we've ever welcomed Laurel and Hardy on Game Changers Radio. So good for you, Tom. Now, Kamala sent an interesting quote from a song. I think most of our listeners may remember it. The song, even though it's, it's old, 1985, let's see, 15 and 20, 35 years ago, hard to believe from Starship. The, the quote is the title of the song. We built this City, 1985, written by Bernie Taupin, Martin Page, Dennis Lambert, and Peter Wolf, originally recorded by the U.S. rock group Starship and released as their debut single on the album Knee Deep in the Hoopla. I think Hoopla could have been the title of the show, Innovation Hoopla. Come on, that was brilliant to pick this, uh, actually. But I want to tell everybody that it peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 outside the U.S. It topped the charts in Australia and Canada. However, in 2011, Rolling Stone named it to one of their worst songs of the 1980s. That's how it was good and it was bad. So, Kamal, we'd love to know. We built this city. How did you pick this quote and what in the world does it have to do with our topic? Come on. So, a couple of things. Last December, I was actually stuck in Stuttgart over a weekend but in between meetings, couldn't fly back. But fortunately, I got to spend an afternoon in the Mercedes-Benz Museum. Ooh. 10 stories high and amazing experience. Thing that stayed with me was uh, you go to the top and then you wind your way down uh, looking at the whole history. In 1988, Bertha Benz drove one of the first cars that they built 106 kilometers north to meet her mom with her two sons. And that was, I think, the longest a car had been driven. And she went North Bavaria, so it was hilly. And the timing belt broke. And she used her stockings to actually get the car going again. Now, most of our people don't know how, what a timing belt is, where to find it, and how to get going. And this, by the way, is the DNA of innovation, right? 
And clearly, and it wasn't just this, couple of other interesting things, right? Google is not the first one to give free food to the employees. 1900s, Mercedes-Benz was given, had put in Provident Fund, also known as 401k here, paid vacation for their workers, shorter work weeks, and actually a cafeteria for workers. And then comes to all your references to going too fast and not knowing how to stay on the road. Right in 69, Germany had 19,000 deaths on the roads because mm. they were all in love with speed. And the lawmakers were trying to put up signs, the tri red triangles and trying to curb the flow. And what did Mercedes-Benz do? They came up first with the anti-lock brakes. First, actually, they deployed airbags and then the anti-lock brakes. Didn't try to slow things down. They said, okay, let's make it safe because the issue is not speed issue. So it's the DNA of innovation. I love seeing stories like that where, and the uh, tie in with the build the city is clearly Mercedes Benz has built something that has lasted not just a century, but generations of innovation, all with a purpose. Kamal, I'm, I'm, enwrapped with what you're saying. And I, I knew a little bit of the history of Bertha Benz, and I believe she funded the car when her husband couldn't get money to build that first car. And I know she took the first trip. I didn't know about the stockings, but it brings to mind that old saw, as I say, or the adage, necessity is the yeah. mother or the Bertha Benz of, of innovation. Necessity is, yes, because she needed to do it. And what tools, it's like she was an early MacGyver. Remember, MacGyver, you take the chewing gum, you take the tape, the duct tape, famous duct tape. You do that. Whatever needs to be done, you just do it. Amazing. And they always, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say this, there's a, always a woman behind a successful man. Well, she was driving. She was tied. She was fixing the timing belt. Love the story. You know, I, I'm thinking we have a series come out called The Future of Mobility and Manufacturing, and it's typically about the automotive industry. We might have to invite, invite you on one of those shows because <laughs> your story is just perfect for that. Thank you so much. Manny is waiting patiently. I said that to a third panelist once, Manny, and I got the, the gentleman on the air and he said, how do you know I'm patient? I've been squirming around in my chair for 20 <laughs> minutes. Thought you'd never get to me. But Manny looks like he's patient. Manny has sent us a quote from the movie, the 2013 sci-fi film I've never heard of, The Zero Theorem. It's a sci-fi film. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, it was directed by Terry Gilliam and it starred Christopher Waltz, Waltz, however you want to pronounce his name, and other people I don't know. But but it, it features a character named Cohen, Q-O-H-E-N, Cohen Leth, an eccentric programmer who refers to himself in the plural and is assigned to crunch entities for a company named Mancom. I will just leave it there. I'm going to read the, the scene, if you don't mind. Matt Damon is in it as well as Christopher Waltz. So management is played by Matt Damon. I never said all is for nothing. I'm a businessman, Mr. Leth. Nothing is for nothing. And then he has a Latin phrase, ex inordinateo veni pecunia. And Cohen Leth, Walt says, what? And management says, there is money in ordering disorder. Chaos pays, Mr. Leth. Love the quote. Manny, talk to me. How'd you find this one? Yeah. So first of all, Bonnie, there are two great segues from what Kamal said to my part here. One is that Berta Benz drove literally past my house. I wasn't around back then in 1988, but that's the connection because she drove from Stuttgart to Mannheim and literally the road down my house is called the Berta Benz Memorial. So what a, what a great segue. The second is, I think we are in agreement, Kamal and I, that there is value in innovating. And this quote is exaggerating it a bit. I think we also very carefully choose something that was, was not earning the highest accolades. You didn't know the movie. I barely know the movie. I'm a big fan of Christopher Waltz, but that movie is very low rated on IMDb. So if you look it up, it's not one of the top movies. But that quote really paints a picture around nothing is for nothing. Even chaos pays. And if you think about this, something might appear as chaos first. But then there is something that needs to come in and make structure out of that, right? In the world of IT, we see that a lot. Now, I was, I was looking up, is there any correlation of hashtags used or what is like the Twitter sentiment around um, this, this quote from, from that movie, that exchange between Matt Damon and Christopher Waltz? And um, it is DevOps. So the hashtag you find that's related with that movie quote is being used by people in DevOps because they, there is a perception that 
the chaos we find is best managed by an answer to that that we now find these days as that complexity is rising, which is DevOps. So that's how I ended up with that quote. Fascinating. You just gave a big boost to anybody wanting to enter a career in DevOps. <laughs> Imagine Either movie or DevOps career, both possible with that. Either quote. one. Kamal mentions Bertha Benz and many his house is where the Bertha Benz highway is or whatever the road. Did we plan this, gentlemen? Come no, on, he, did you, he, did you? he should have stepped out and helped her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't around when I talked about it. A couple of centuries program. ago, in the last millennium at least. Now we're going to go. I, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying. Interesting, your quotes are so wonderfully interwoven. And we never, to my listeners, we never plan this. We don't sit around the table and say, okay, Manny, you'll pick a sci-fi quote. And, and uh, Kamal, you'll pick a, a Starship quote. And Tom, you'll go back to the days of the silent films. We never plan this. We never know how it's all going to come together. And it, it's just fascinating to me what you pick. So thank you for your efforts, gentlemen, and picking really great quotes. We're going to move to the serious part of the show if we dare, Tom. I don't know. This is a very happy topic, and I'm glad it's a happy topic because we did not intend with this topic title to predict or to talk about doom and gloom. We're still talking innovation, which is still something that is necessary, but we're talking about how to do it well. That's all we're talking about. So Tom Roberts sent me the following statement. We're going to start a discussion around the table. He says, focus in the end is the only thing that creates forward motion toward a goal. Very good point. Without focus, even with all the effort and energy in the world. I wish I had Latin for that. You'll still end up in basically the same place you started. So let's apply this to innovation. Tom, why don't you take two minutes, unpack it as they say on the news, and then I will ask Kamal to agree or disagree. And then I'll ask Manny to agree or disagree with either or both of you. And I know we might have some contrarian opinions here. I'm not sure. Tom Roberts, you're up. Go ahead. So, so think about this, Bonnie. You know, if you if you follow on to what Monty and, and Kamal ha- have said, is that the answer to the chaos that I described, right? And and I'll add to it, right? Think about this. If we look at the enterprise, the abandonment, meaning where they made a decision to go after a SaaS application, year on year, is up one hundred percent, hundred percent year on year. But the answer to that chaos. And this is where my quote comes from, is that innovation is the answer to solving some of the chaos that we see here. It's not to pull back from it. It's to do what Mercedes-Benz did, which was to say, oh, we need to invent better brakes. Oh, we need to make a safer car and put airbags in it. The chaos itself is what will steer the innovation. And that's, what, that's the direction that we want to go right? We don't want to say pull back from innovation. Like look at some of these things that are happening here. Business abhors waste. It just does, right? But if you have, and, and uh, the numbers are out there, the duplication because these decisions are being made at a departmental level is at 80%, meaning that there's such a rate of waste happening. So what will come into place? What's going to come into place is innovation, and this is about the focus, taking a focus on how you're going to use innovation to eliminate that waste. You mentioned, look, the the reality is with 20,000 of these different integration points, it's creating vulnerabilities. We know that cyber attacks are up 350% on the enterprise. One one very uh, well-known cybersecurity firm, they clocked during between July and August 32 million cyber attacks just against their client base alone during that window. What? 32 million. And during the pandemic, as we've all seen, I'm sure you've seen the, the things on the news, you've got this sort of skyrocketing escalation around cyber attacks and they're headed at business mm-hmm. for profit, right? With things like ransomware and others trying to lock down businesses and extract money from them, extort money from them. So the answer to this chaos, as Monty points out, is more innovation. It's not to pull back, but it's to change the trajectory of what that is. And that's really, the, that, that's really what we want to put on the table with this concept of how do you pursue innovation with abandon, but get that right outcome. So focusing the energy in a way that's going to take you where you want to go, as opposed to all these random decisions that are happening that are creating the chaos. Thank you very much. Come on, please join us. I'm going to let you agree or disagree with Tom. Let's see where you go. Come on. Totally agree. And I, what I would add to that is also have the conviction and the patience to stick with that as well. 
because the bolder the innovation, the more resistance you'll get because we are all prisoners of our orthodoxies, right? Change is hard for all of us. And the pushback for all of these, and it's uh, not just with uh, Mercedes-Benz, Tesla has the same thing, right? That, and the fun part is I actually live in uh, close to them where their factory is in Fremont. It's the same factory that actually was with Toyota. And then before that, a joint venture between Toyota and GM, right? So same, same companies were in the same spot. And yet there was this nothing who didn't know about cars or anything somehow is now the most valued automaker over GM and Toyota, right? And that took focus because there was an intent on doing something very different. And I think the thing that I love what Tom is saying is, what are we solving for, right? Where I think innovators lose and create a mess, (laughs) is that we are short-sighted, right? We are often looking for the benefits or the outcomes, or we don't have the stamina to see it through and we give up too soon. And some of that is also exacerbated by people like VCs who talk about Funding innovation, but they're really ready to pull the plug at the first sign of trouble. Everything takes time. Everything worthwhile takes time. Fascinating. Mani, you're up. Agree I, or disagree I, with I, either or both? Go ahead. I, I do generally agree. I think though I, the, the, the vignette I would put on this is I think there are different agilities of innovation, right? There is the innovation that is more um, geared towards immediate value generation. I think it's a, it's a good thing. You need to innovate within what you have and you need to have a goal of make things better. And I think this is also what Tom is referring to by having focus and it needs to drive value. But I think you need to reserve a part of your energy to go for the, for the disruptive, the unexpected, the, the bigger um, shift, like the leapfrog innovation, right? Um, it's hard to plan for that. I don't think there is a Brazilian recipe. It really happens only maybe once in a decade that there is massive changes coming. I'm just trying to advise a little bit of caution not to think of everything that appears as chaos to be something that needs to be taken care of and brought back into the norm because it might eventually be that next decade that is just starting, right? So sometimes it might look like chaos and people get scared about it. It's really interesting. Let's get back. We have this analogy all the time about the car, right? So when the first cars came out, they looked like horse cartridges, right? Without a horse. So the very first ones had a horse, a fake horse head mounted onto them to not scare people. (laughs) It was still disruptive. It was a car, right? It was an engine. But in order to not make people feel uncomfortable, all of the chaos and what is this? They even call it the horseless carriage, right? Mm-hmm. So there was a word for it. Um, and, and some people put a plastic horse head on it to, to, to make sure that people recognize it as something that they knew before. So I think it's always about the reference system, making sure people can relate to it and it adds value to them and it takes away the fear without immediately going to trying to control it and put it back into the box that, it, that we think it belongs into. Fascinating. Absolutely. I didn't know that about it. I'm thinking of the Mustang, right? The Stang with a little horse on the hood, right? Yeah, the, exactly. the, that's where interesting. And maybe that's why ships put, put mermaids and beautiful yeah. girls on their, on the bowsprit because they wanted to feel that somebody was protecting them and they had somebody to go home to. Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that, but I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me, all the Me Too people, please. This is absolutely fascinating. Tom, anything you want to say back to Kamal or Armani? They both had such wonderful, interesting, inspiring comments to add to your topic. Quickly, anything you want to add? No, I think that, look, they nailed it, right? This is, it's this idea of if you are, if you're trying to solve the problem by going backwards, that's not going to work. You have to solve the problem by going forward. And that's the message that we have, right? So you can't pull it back. Innovation can't be contained. Look, it's so attractive. That's why these companies are doing these things despite the risk, despite uh, the chaos. They're doing it because the innovation is so attractive. Now, the key is how do you take the things that are unattractive about those, those things that are coming out of it, and how do you reduce them and focus that energy to take Mm -hmm. them to the place that they want to go next? And sometimes I think you need to find the nuggets of brilliance and inspiration in the mess of the chaos. 
what's worth keeping, what's worth putting a little extra time, money, or brain power on that we don't want to sweep out. I'm, I just came, I just thought about that because there are those nuggets. I'm going to move on. Kamal sent me a very interesting, we're going to a statement number four. Listen to this, very important for all of you innovators out there. People often overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in three to five years. Kamal, let's have some brilliance on this one. I love the statement. Go ahead. Yeah, I think some of this was in our uh, prep call and what uh, Tom had shared earlier. And even uh, these 200 average subscriptions, 39% churn, 20,000 integrations. It's a freaking mess. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing here is to provide a platform for a enterprise to run their business, which is also changing, right? There are a lot of bells and whistles that need to come along with ease of integration and making sure that we as innovators solve that for the customer, right? The goal needs to be to innovate, to add value, not just that I feel like doing something. And some of this incremental stuff is getting progressively uh, harder, but it needs to be thought through at scale and it's happening. Right in front of our eyes, space travel is picking up. Maybe one of us will go, maybe our kids will go, but somebody will be going. But it has been going on for 30, 40 years, right? First it was, can we get into the space? Then can we come back? If we go somewhere and get to the moon, can we come back? Now (laughs) we're going to get further. Now we are planning on staying longer. And all the billionaires are investing in leaving Earth. So there must be something wrong here. They know something that we don't know. Right. But it is all, if you think about it, the level of integration required to actually go to Mars or someplace else and come back and actually be there for a long time and actually build the city somewhere else. All of that requires time and patience to think through, have a bold vision and don't be dissuaded. Why I like about this thing is everybody works hard, right? You're innovating. It takes time. Half of it is just convincing others that you are onto something. Yes. The other half is actually building something and then getting more people to buy in. And we are, should not give up just because the first few people are looking for the horse's head on a car, right? Yes. Because those are the orthodoxies that we waste too much time on. They discourage us. And the thing that we have seen just as we look back, and most of us now have stopped writing checks, right? The checkbook just sits there. Same thing will happen now with car ownership also, house ownership also. <laughs> So those are the things that it does take time and you live through it. You don't see the incremental changes. And the thing that I'll share, it's not just with the enterprise with all these things is you have to think broadly about an ecosystem and how to actually work with others and how to keep thinking of the win-win. Because when it, one person is not going to corner anything, there will be others who support. And that's the part where I totally agree with Tom's active is 10 billion value created, right? just with partners alone. It is a big number. That's an astounding number because that's the win-win proposition that we have, we have a following. We have people who are like-minded, who are interested in solving bigger problems and the platform is there for others. That makes a big difference once the platform takes root. Thank you, Kamal. Fascinating. Manny, you're up. Please agree or disagree. I'm going to say if you dare with Kamal. Go ahead, Manny. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fully with Kamal on, on this one. I think um, it, it, I, I love the quote. I think it, it's attributed to um, uh, to Bill Gates, if I'm not mistaken, the, 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 what, the we underestimate what's possible in 10 years. I would actually say it also is true if you kind of zoom in um, at the company level, right? It's not only about technology trends or market trends. Um, I think there's, there's, there's this tagline from an international bank that we always see when we go to airports, which probably many of us haven't been to in a while. Um, I think it's HSBC Bank that if, if I'm allowed to, it's not an advertising yes. here. Yes. Um, and it, it, it goes like, it takes many nights to be an overnight success. So as, yeah. as an entrepreneur, having been in, in startups, Kamal probably can also refer to that. It always looks like it's an easy thing, like, oh, Tesla, of course. I mean, they, they invented the electric car and all of that. No, it's not that easy. If you, if you really zoom in, all of the hardship um, kind of are persistently pursuing your, your goal despite all the odds, right? So um, 
it takes much more than just believing in the vision because I think many of us believe in the vision of electric cars having um, having a future or, or being um, better for the, for the environment and all of that. But it's that like 1%, 0.1% that actually are there for like 10 years, 15 years, fully committed to that, right? I think there's so much it can distract, distract you. Just imagine if Tesla would have started building a little combustion engine production line on the side, having hybrid, like getting into like the yes, but, right? Committed, but not so much. Um, they never did that, right? I think it's, it's, it's that, that's what really is making a difference in successful innovation in long-term um, focused innovation is, is to really believe in that and, and, and stay very firm on your ground. Thank you, Manny. Tom Roberts, you're up. Join us. What do you think? Either or both. Agree or disagree. Your choice. Yeah, it's, you know, I thought we were going to have a big controversy here where we we're going to, uh, you know, disagree. But it, it seems like the viewpoints are coming into alignment, which uh, that's exactly what we're looking for, right? We're, we're looking for how do you build that consensus around how do you deal with the problems and the challenges that clearly the enterprises are facing? They're they're in they're they're feeling the pain, right? There's no doubt about it, but when you look at how you get through that pain, it's very interesting how the viewpoints start to converge around, let's continue to innovate and let's let's drive through that problem. Interesting. I'm thinking of an old Steve Jobs quote, wasn't it? We're going to give people what they didn't know they needed, right? What they didn't <laughs> know they wanted. Did we think about iPhones? Did we think about something sleek that you were happy, almost a, almost a look at how successful I am, I have an iPhone. Yes, it costs more, but it's worth it. Did we think about this little thing called Apple that we would, I, I've been an Apple customer since 1988. I'm not even going to tell you what the first one cost me. It was like months of mortgage payments, but, but it was worth it. We were there. Just f- fascinating conversation. Kamal, anything quickly you want to say to wrap up this part because I'm ready to go to something from Mani, but Kamal, I want to give you a chance. Anything you want to say back to them? Well, since you brought up Steve Jobs, I'll give you a quick interesting thing. I was mm-hmm. actually at Apple. I actually worked on the Newton product, which was a predecessor to iPhone. And uh, for a long period, worked a lot with Motorola, Ericsson, Nokia, all these guys. And the prevailing thinking was the device is too big, the network is too slow, and the customer acquisition cost is too high. That is why the wireless business is not taking off. And then here comes Steve Jobs with iPhone. And guess what? It is bigger than the Razor. It is more expensive than anything we have ever paid for. And the networks are the same. He didn't change the network, but he just built a better product. And suddenly, boom, few years later, they're a true trillion company. Right? How did that happen? Overnight success. How did that happen? Absolutely. He, he, he sensed there was something we wanted, we needed, we didn't know it, we weren't ready for it. I think I had a friend years ago who received an early iPhone from his kids as a birthday present. He didn't know what the blank to do with it and he gave it back. <laughs> <laughs> People were buying these innovative devices for their for their older parents years ago, and the parents didn't have any clue what to do with it. I had a friend who got an Apple Watch. He said, what am I supposed to do with this? Anyway, Put a horse head on it. There, <laughs> <laughs> now, there you go. I'm going to move on. Manny has said a, a very, very interesting statement. I'm looking at your statement number one. Let me read it. And, and the title of this show, as those of you with us on Zoom, is Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering. And let's get to the partnering part formally. So Manny says, some common misperception is to look at partnerships as a zero-sum game, which hinders partners from truly embracing a win-win relationship. Let's focus on the innovation part of this, Manny. Please take us through this. What are we talking about? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a quote that's close to my heart. It's also not from me. It's actually from Satya Nadella's book but, um, to give him full attribution. Okay. Um, I, I think it's, it's important to look at partnering in a different way than, um, than typical um, economics of zero-sum games are being looked at, right? Um, it's not we win or they win, right? It's not, it's not competitive at all. I mean, that's the, that's the whole notion of, of partnering. So when it comes to innovation, it also needs to be looked at under this lens. Um, meaning, if there is an opportunity to grow into an adjacent area, into a new part of the business, into th- some problem that might not have been solved directly by the large mothership, um, there is an opportunity to have a win-win equation 
between more nimble, innovative companies entering this field quickly, helping us to innovate together and really bring this together to market, right? This, this, this entire notion of like co-creation and co-innovation, I think really is, is, is the embodiment of, of that quote. Um, and I do believe in it because if that becomes your mantra, you're much more likely to have a successful and more mutually beneficial relationship with your, not only with your ecosystem, of course, but ultimately delivering success to the market because that's what it's all about, right? To, to have a value proposition that resonates in the market. If, if in the contrast, you fall back on a, on a, on a zero sum perception, it really means like always banging the heads, trying to make sure that you're first, trying to make sure you capture as much as possible. And a related um, uh, a quote to that from the same author is that you're only successful in embracing a platform economy. And we all really want to move towards platform innovation. Mm -hmm. If more than 50% of your innovation comes from the outside, right? Having that openness of innovation happening outside of a company actually means you're tapping into a platform economy with, with all of its benefits, with all of its scale, being what you can harness. Thank you very much. Fascinating. Tom Roberts, you happen to be, whether you know it or not, virtually sitting next to Mani. So I'm going to go to you, Tom, and let you speak next. I know, I know where the virtual seats are because I'm looking at the whole gallery. It's actually not virtual. It's real background and it's real lighting. The only difference is I'm in Germany, so it's getting dark earlier. I had to adjust the lighting. <laughs> I, I saw you adjust the lighting. I, I wish we could be broadcasting these live Zoom interactions. It's just, I call this nuanced radio. That's my term. It's just we I've been doing this on the phone for years, for nine years until this year. Should have started Zoom earlier. Tom Roberts, what do you think about what Manny said about zero-sum partnering? What's your POV? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the proof is in the, in the pudding. You know, we, we went back on, on the SAP side because we had this argument. There were people that carried this zero-sum gain mindset. And uh, so we did. We, we looked at the numbers. We went back and we pulled business deals that we had done together with our partners for over a five-year span. And when we looked at those deals together, we solved more of the customer's problem. And as a result, they gave us more money. In other words, we came in not just selling them a particular product, we sold them a solution. We sold them something that was going to address all of their needs. And that's the innovation, right? So the innovation is, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll talk about something that I think is a critical innovation, is this idea of curation. Mm. Right? So what we've all seen is that you have periods of time where there's high levels of innovation and everybody's in the game and there's a, a, an explosion of creativity. But then the market starts to congeal around things that are winners and they start to clearly separate themselves from the pack. Well, that's the period of curation, right? So either the market does it or the customers do it, but we've seen this cycle repeat over time, over and over again. And it comes around some of these themes of the market in a, is trying to rationalize the chaos in a productive way. So harnessing the innovation to meet the needs that they want to have. And this is where we take our partnerships as a, you know, as, as a practice or as a philosophy, we think about this because we do customer first. We think about the customer and then we say, okay, if I were a customer and I have this raging chaos of 39% uh, you know, turnover in my applications and I've created this risks and vulnerability and this waste of these unused subscriptions, what would I rationally do? Well, I would look to make curated decisions. And, and you know, Kamal's with Mani and I on this panel today because SAP chose Eightfold to be in our endorsed apps program. It's mm. this idea of using curation of saying, hey, these are logical winners. These are, these are ones that the market is embracing, solutions that the market is embracing and that are growing. And this is a healthy way for you to get that innovation, but minimize those things like risk and waste, right? So Kamal can tell you, you know, we put them, we, we put his application through difficult, rigorous review from security per stand, standpoint, from support standpoint. This idea of using curation as innovation is really the direction that we see the, we see things headed. And uh, I don't know, maybe Kamal, you want to, you might, you might want to talk about that a little bit. He's next. Kamal, join us. Absolutely. I think the, Key here is, and he's right, because 
the landscape with the customer, right? There's a role to be played as the trusted advisor. And when a SAP's customer or other platform economies, as we're talking about, they are looking at their trusted partner saying, okay, have you vetted this thing out? If you're recommending something, have you vetted this out? And that's what he's referring to, the rigorous testing and making sure that it's done right, integrations are done, because we are taking that headache away from uh, the customer's hands, right? And that investment upfront is worth it. Because at the end of the day, people do business with people, right? And you need to build on that. And if you think globally, everybody is not going to be together, especially in the world that we learn. Everybody, it'll be reputations that carry around. And that is worth investing because that goes a long way. More doors will open, just like how much each of us pay on our phone bill, how much are we ready to pay for the next upgrade? And none of us were paying this much money when iPhone came out, right? <laughs> and that's, I think, what he's talking about is that once they trust you, they will give you more and more stuff. Where, where this thing slows down upfront is we are all worried about wallet share. We want more of the money now versus thinking a little long-term, same thing, that we underestimate what we can do together in three to five years because there'll be more for everyone if we are patient and we focus on delivering value. That sounds like a perspective of abundance rather than a dearth or a lack, Kamal. I like that very, very much. The abundance mindset, there will be enough. There is more. People will do well. I have. We're going to go to the crystal ball predictions round in just a second. But Tom Roberts, I have one statement I want to read from you. I didn't put it in the chat. You say relationships are the difference between having an idea or holding an opinion versus actually making a decision. As Tom likes to say, when making an egg and bacon breakfast, which I have too often, I'll tell you that, the hen was involved, but the pig was the only one truly committed. Tom, can you just take about 10 seconds and explain this to me? And then you're going to give your prediction. If you want to make this your prediction, go ahead. Tom Roberts, you're up. <laughs> uh, somehow I've become famous for farm quotes. I don't know. Maybe it's because where I live in Pennsylvania, you know, my neighbors have horses. So there's a lot of wisdom in agriculture. I, I, I don't know. But, it, but if you think about it, look, it's, uh, it's a true statement, right? Bacon and eggs, look, the hen gave an egg, but you know, the pig really committed <laughs> to that bacon and uh, there's no turning back. This is how you have to think about partnerships, right? So a lot of people want to want to dabble in partnerships, but it is a commitment. It, it, you, you really have to put this, you have to put yourself on the line to make those commitments and then to maintain them. You know, I, I like to, I like to share that relationships that are strong enough to have emotional issues in it, meaning people are wound up and fired up, right? Those are the ones that really matter because if there's enough energy for you to disagree and to have all that energy, that means there's something there and you can build around it. It's just a matter of how you channel that energy, right? And how smart you are about how you're going to apply it and how you take it forward. And that's, I think this is one of the things that's been a hallmark around my career and around what SAP has tried to do in its ecosystem is really understand that. Don't be afraid of the conflicts or that energy where people are upset about this or that. Listen to it, what's in it, and then channel that just like you would the innovation. Channel that into a focused way that's going to take the situation forward and make the customer happy. Thank you, Tom. 60 seconds. Was that your prediction or you want to try your hand at a real prediction? Something between 2021 and 2025 about innovation going too fast, too slow, too much, too, too much around the hairpin curves, the turns. Uh, will innovation be a good word or a bad word? 60 seconds. Control yourself, Tom Robert. 60 seconds. Go. Hey, innovation's <laughs> always going to be a good thing. And here's why. When you have a problem, how are you going to solve it? You can't time travel backwards. You have to innovate your way out of it. And I think that's the lesson here. So my prediction is, look, we've seen trends of centralization, decentralization, and periods of time where there's high levels of innovation and, and, and contractions. That's going to continue to ebb and flow. The way you're successful in guiding that and, and what my prediction is, is that enterprises always look to figure out how they optimize. And we're headed into a period where they're going to use things like curation, right, that they're going to look to some of these uh, innovations that we bring forward to harness and eliminate some of the negative things that they're getting from innovation and reap more and more of the benefits. And that's my prediction. Thank you very much. Kamal Aluwalia at Eightfold.ai. 
Kamal, prediction, please, you're up. All of our jobs will change in the next few years. And they would have changed anyways because of AI, but it'll change faster because of COVID. And thing that we all need to get ready for is really we will see more and more news around jobs lost, jobs gained, jobs changed, widespread. But the key here is we all need to gear up that it is coming and partly because of just take safety, more and more delivery and logistics organizations will try to automate what can be done without people, not to get rid of people, but that's where the jobs will change to put them in a safe environment. So the next time we are hit with something like this, we can weather through it faster and easier. And even every single thing that you're seeing around us, whether it is uh, approving or discovering new drugs, all that stuff, we will be looking to move faster. Automation, more automation, and just be ready because things are coming at a faster pace than we realize. They are, thank you. Mani, you get the last word before we wrap. Go ahead, Mani Parus. Thank you, Mani. Innovation is coming, it's coming faster, and this is a good thing. So coming faster is even a better thing, you would say. I think, however, there are a few that might be scared. And uh, we will look forward to seeing some disruptive changes happening, and they are scary. So in five years from now, I believe there will be some disruptors that are extremely successful by having invented the unexpected. And there will be others that are turning to curation, are turning to opinions from others because they want to participate in the innovation, but they might not be that 1% that came up with it. And I think that's really important to make a distinction. Not everyone will have invented the change, but everyone should be benefiting from the change. Wow. 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 Very well put. Thank you to all three of you. I'm just just amazed uh, at, at the brilliance. I'm sorry. I, I love the brilliance and the words of wisdom and your engagement on the topic. We have to do a couple of thank yous. Let's all put our hands together for Sarah Dolan, who approached me to do this series, and David McAtamney, who works with her, and Dennis McHugh at SAP, our sponsors, and the people behind the scenes who work so hard to put these together. Let's say thank you to Aaron Keller, our engineer at Voice America, the business channel, and here's my closing. Okay, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car has been getting three months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Mercedes, Tesla, I don't care. How are we doing out there? Uh, We're still driving, by the way. And Kamal, I'm never giving up the keys to my 370Z. It's my fifth Z, and I'm just going to keep driving my own car. That's the way it is. No sharing economy for me. Go out and be a game changer today, just like our three brilliant panelists today, Tom Roberts at SAP. Wave goodbye, Tom. Kamal Aluwalia at Eightfold.com. AI, Kamal, wave goodbye. And Mani Peruz at SAP, wave goodbye. Thank you all, Bonnie DeGram signing off. Have a great one. Be smart, be safe, be savvy, and we'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Next Generation Partnering, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.